I finally figured out what William Lyne describes in the Paul Scarvo interview. Scarvo? Scarzo, excuse me. Scarzo interview when he said how he took two antique meters and he thinks he wired them backwards or something and to um, meter an apartment. And the reason why he has more than one isn't because um, he wanted to subdivide... Well, maybe it was because he wanted to subdivide his metering of that apartment into two different branch circuits. But to accommodate that, he's using antique meters from a junkyard, so he got them for free, or or practically nothing. And in ancient times, <laughs> a century ago, namely, namely uh, meters were not designed to, to handle large loads such as we have today. Like I think right now, we're expected to run 30 amps um, and 120 volts or 240 volts and I think 50 or 60 amps. <clears throat> yeah, 60 would be the limit. Um, anywho, 100 years ago, they expected you to have a 5-amp load in your home because all you were running were light bulbs. Uh, that was about it. Um, so, he might have said that he reversed one of them. I can't remember if he said, did he reverse both or reverse one of them. As it turns out, you do reverse one of them. You put them in parallel with each other so you got the incoming line, you split it into two branches, and then you rejoin those two branches to feed the apartment. Um, that's right. So he put two meters because he was trying to accommodate the fact that the, the apartment wasn't subdivided into two different branches. He simply did not want to buy a meter. He wanted to get them free from the junkyard. They're old. And because they're old, they're designed to accommodate lower loads. And so he needed two of them in parallel to cover the combined load because that's a current division situation. <clears throat> but here's the catch. Because they're in parallel, each is in reverse relative to the other is wired in reverse, which is not an issue if all we think about is the electrical connections. But what if... See, he, he doesn't remember all the details, so he couldn't... And he said that. He, he admitted that to Paul during the interview. He only stated what he remembered. Now, I'm putting it, picturing it in my brain. Okay, you have them wired in parallel... And they're either back-to-back -back or facing each other because one, each is, the in, is in reverse to the other from the standpoint of going around the circle. When you have uh, two items like that connected and there are four terminals, basically, and they're in because they're in parallel, it's a current division situation. If you go around the circle... 
and ignore the direction of the AC coming in one end and going out the other end of this circle. But just paying attention to the circle itself, and you go around the circle, you see that each is in reverse to the other. So that the, two, the, the terminal, the, the, lo, the, the, the line connection for each are connected together. And the load terminal for each are connected together. That makes each backwards relative to the other. But because the dominant energy... See, he didn't expect them to be generators. You would never do that if you had um, a generator, you know, hooked up because they'd, they'd knock each other and they'd hum because these are single-phase induction uh, motors, I think. Or they could... Well, they're induction... Um, <clears throat> in other words, they need a starter coil to get them going. But they may not be because of the way they're designed by comparison to the single-phase induction motor, let's say, of an ice cream kitchen machine, uh, ice cream uh, maker. Um, but whether... whether Because I know that in, in the kitchen appliance, uh, you need starter coils to get it going. Otherwise, it just hums. It'll vibrate without starter coils. But it, it shows that that is still in evidence, regardless of whether or not the uh, meters do have uh, starter coils. I think they do have starter coils, now that I think of it. So that means they're capable of humming without the starter coil. What he's talked about, you know, humming, mm, vibrate, you shook the building. So when you have them facing back to back, the starter coils are too weak an influence, I guess, to get the thing to rotate. And instead it just vibrates. And he said that was when the load reached a certain critical point, uh, like a tipping point, in which it stopped metering and started going in reverse if the load went beyond that, increased, increased beyond that. But if it was below that, it would just function like a meter. So it became distorted when it reached a certain critical point. And that's when it hummed because it couldn't meter anymore. The distortion was so great that the discs stopped running, they stopped spinning, and they vibrated in both directions simultaneously. <clears throat> because each became the generator for the other. Each was the motor for the... If each was the generator for each other when the other was the mo motor. So each saw each other service, serving opposite roles depending on which direction the vibration was occurring, going one way or going the other way. One was acting like the motor and the other did generator, and, or vice versa. And <clears throat> this is the classic phenomenon of um, little kids uh, thinking, well, why don't I just uh, connect, connect a motor to a generator and I'll have free energy if I connect them in a closed loop. And this is exactly what you do, but you, because... You've got an AC signal coming from outside this circle and then passing through, going out the other end to your true load because this is just um, your generator motor pair and it's not your load that you're trying to carry. So <clears throat> um, being that it's in a tight loop, most of the current's going to stay inside the loop. Now that I think of it, 
Hmm. That means that um, these little devices cannot generate, they can accommodate a higher voltage but coming from outside, but that doesn't mean they can generate a higher voltage. So they have to be overwhelmed by the voltage coming from the grid in order for the grid to dominate the situation. I wonder what would happen if the voltage dropped from the grid and all you were left with was the 60-cycle signal, uh, sine wave signal, but uh, devoid, divested of its uh, 120 or 240-volt input. And instead, um, you'd have, I don't know, a fraction of a fault or something. That could be interesting. Um... Because then I would suspect that's what creates the tipping point in the first place. Well, no, wait. Let's see. Loads in the home are all in parallel. Right. So, with each other and with respect to the meter and with respect to the source, for that matter. Just as these two meters were in parallels. Um, no. No, no, no. The, the, no, it's a different kind of parallel. No, no, no. The loads are all shorts. That's it. They're in parallel with each other, but they're actually 90 degrees to the arrangement of these two meters. So you can't call them... <clears throat> you can't call them current division. They're voltage division. No, they can't be voltage division. Oh, what are they? Um, no, they are current division. What? Which is which? Oh, my God, I am mixed up. Hmm. <coughs> They have to share all the same voltage. So they have to be current division. But then why are the two meters current division? Oh God, I am really mixed up here. Um, hmm. So what are the meters... Um, so, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to complete my uh, thought as to why I uh, started this recording in the first place. So what William Lyne left out of the picture, what he could not remember was that because they either face each other or face away, I think they faced away from each other. They were back to back and he even put them next to each other. Now... After the I-10 general electric meter was uh, produced, the meters that came after that, I think it's the I-14, did not have a cast iron backing into which the iron toroidal core was set into, the core having the voltage coil on it and the current coil for the meter. Instead, they had an aluminum backing <clears throat> I believe from the pictures on eBay that's what it, what it appears to be and I know that's the case from the 1935 model I don't know what model number it is but 
uh, that was the time that it, it was date stamped when it was produced. It has it's an all aluminum construction, I believe. It, there's no iron other than um, you know the pieces that need to be ironed. There's no extra iron. Certainly no iron back pieces. What that would have done, it would have helped be that iron mass, maybe, that Tesla was referring to, that um, retains or helps to promote the magnetism of the core, namely the circularity, you know, the pathway it takes. And transferring that to the other meter behind it that's turned around in reverse means that one would be destined to run its disk backwards um, and the other one forwards during one half cycle and then they would reverse if the magnetism was strong enough the magnetic field that's being transferred that's magnetically coupled between them um, and it would fight itself and it would harm violently I, I can see that. But they have to be magnetically coupled strongly enough, which means the load has to draw enough current from the grid to magnetize their backsides sufficiently enough for them to hum and fail to rotate and fight each other. <clears throat> now, if the load is increased, now we're talking very vaguely here, we don't even know what kind of load we're talking about. Is it an inductive load? Resistive load doesn't matter. Well, the way uh, uh, William Lang tells the story, <laughs> it's so vague, it, it seems like it doesn't matter, but that's, you know, uh, neither here nor there because we don't know. Um, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's just current draw. How much current do you draw from the uh, electric grid. So if you draw more current, but see, the only way you can draw more current, you can't do it with a resistive load. If anything, you'd be increasing your resistance. So it would have to be an inductive load, whereby you're creating more shorts, because each coil is a short. So... He increased not just any old load. He would have had to have added inductive loads. And that would have created more shorts for more current to flow. So he'd be drawing more current, and that would increase the magnetism of the backside of the meters to the point that they would hum, and they'd stop metering and stop accurately measuring uh, his... Uh, how much he's drawing from the grid. And then if he keeps increasing those shorts by adding more inductive loads, now he's drawing so much current from the grid, I guess what happens is the, uh, the two meters lock. They no longer fight each other. So that when... Let's see, they'd have to dominate. They'd have to take over, but the voltage is still dominant. The voltage coming from the grid is still dominant. And that's the signal that is... So the meters can't, 
can't generate high voltage. All they can do is generate current. <clears throat> and probably only because they're in a closed loop with each other. Um, the load certainly is not going to generate current, or does it? If it's an inductive load that he's adding to draw more current, now we have to wonder whether or not the loads are consuming current. See, he didn't state the whole thing because he didn't scenario it in his brain. Um, well, he left out the <laughs> putting them back to back for one thing. Yeah, you have to wonder where all the extra current is coming from that was, that went back to the grid. Was it coming from the loads? And why? In a sense, you could say that the two meters each becomes the prime mover for the other. Each becomes the motor for the other, depending on which half cycle you're in. I guess when you're at the balance point, the humming point, they can't decide which is going to be the... You ha they have to decide which is going to be the motor and which is going to be the generator per half cycle of of the uh, uh, sine wave oscillation that's coming in from the grid. They have to make up their mind. And if they can't make up their mind, that's probably why they hum violently. But when the load gets strong enough, the, the magnetic field, the coupling between them gets strong enough, and then they... It's almost a random choice or... It may, no, it may not be random. There's always um, discrepancies, minor detail discrepancies that we overlook, like the manufacturing, you know, one is slightly different than the other, or uh, their connections uh, favor one over another. So whatever it is, they end up deciding which is going to be the motor and which is going to be the generator per half cycle. Um, but that's a signal decision. That's not a power decision. I'm thinking that possibly the load is, becomes the generator because it's drawing more current. See, that's one thing about the grid. It's large enough that the voltage is constant. It doesn't drop. Just because you add more loads in your home Unless, you know, everybody does it, and then you get a brownout and then a blackout because the voltage drops. But if it's within reason, the voltage maintains itself regardless of all, all the loads you keep adding in your, in your home, and you keep drawing more and more current, and yet the voltage remains the same. Um, oh, boy. Well, so that strengthens the coupling between the two meters. I guess they are, they're the ones. They're taking turns during each half cycle of which one is generating and which one is consuming. But 
That doesn't tell us why it goes to overunity and becomes a contributing factor because he said when the load increases, so if you keep adding more load, it means the little meters are, are generating more and more current and probably would fry themselves if you took them too far beyond what they their carrying capacity was capable of of uh, carrying um gosh it's it's still uh <laughs> well it's 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 not still a mystery it's just how come nobody ever thought of this before <laughs> Because nobody ever thought of, of constructing an, a single-phase induction motor in the manner of a meter so as to be able to put them back-to-back. -back. You can't do that with uh, normal single-phase induction motors, such as what's in the power tool, like a, a drill, a power drill, or, um, or a, an ice cream-making machine. Because their design is completely different, the way they arrange everything. But in a meter, you literally get a front side and a back side. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, the ro yeah the well, let's put it this way. In um, the in the uh, single phase induction motor that I took out of a ice cream machine, the rotor, the plane, the spin plane of the rotor, is in the plane of the toroidal armature. And instead of two coils, um, such as the meter has arrangement the coil is just one coil and it's where the current coil should be instead it's the voltage coil Sir, well it, no it's serving in both capacities I guess because the way it's wound is a voltage coil but where it's placed would make it a current coil and that's really bizarre when you think about it because normally you have to subdivide your functionality of voltage and current in order to be highly efficient, and that means those motors are wasteful. Whereas a meter has the coils separated, and they're arranged in uh, 90 degrees to each other. Um, and the rotor of a meter is in a, its its spin plane is 90 degrees relative to the plane of the toroidal core of the voltage coil current coil. So it's the meter is actually more efficiently built because it's it's got voltage at 90 degrees to current instead of mixing it all up. And then the uh, to make up the difference, the starter coils that are in the um, the power tool, single phase induction motor, and the uh, ice cream making machine. The the starter well in the ice cream make making machine, the starter coils are. Um, askew they're not really efficient because they're at uh, 45 degrees 
to the direction of travel that you want to induce um, in the rotor. And the rotor is a squirrel cage rotor, whereas in the meter, you just have a disc, an aluminum disc that's perforated to help catch, I think it's to uh, catch the eddy currents, or no, catch the magnetic field to create sharp edges. I don't know, I forget. <laughs> Voltage points on those sharp edges. In any case, um, it's a much more efficient motor. Yet, it cannot carry torque. It cannot deliver torque. Because of... Uh, why? Oh, because the voltage coil is on a stub coming out of... or going in towards the center of the toroid, coming out from the periphery. Pointed inward. And that's at right angles to the flow of current going around the armature. So you don't get any power out of it. The power has been neutralized. And that's the whole point. It's not supposed to contribute any power in the form of voltage. It's not supposed to contribute any voltage. It's supposed to be, uh, what do you call it, like invisible or uh, transparent. It, it's, it tries to be voltage... Volt, it tries to be transparent with regard to voltage. The only thing that's not transparent is the current, and, and that's what you're measuring, I guess, ultimately, because that's the only part that's going to vary that will change your watts usage. <clears throat> so that makes sense. So the voltage is made to be invisible. Um, and that's probably why you can put them back-to-back, -back, because of that feature. It was built to be voltage-invisible so that they can engage their magnet, magnetic fields and fight each other. Because that's essentially the, the manner of, of this arrangement when you put them back to back and they're connected backwards relative to each other. They're going to want to magnetically couple at some point when the current gets strong enough and that's going to cause them to fight even stronger than before. So in order not to fight, they're going to have to take turns each half cycle and decide who's going to be the motor and who's going to be the generator. At that point, they have to make that decision. Up to that point, they don't have to <clears throat> because the force coming in from the grid is dominant. But when it no longer dominates the situation, when the load... I guess you take the load beyond its the design characteristic maximum that the meters were rated for is what you end up doing. So they would overheat and um, risk burning off uh, the insulation on the wires. Um, I guess so. This is very interesting. Now, there's still the anomaly that Jim Murray talks about that when you uh, double the voltage, no, when you double the frequency you quadruple the power. The voltage would remain the same. That means the current is quadrupled. So if you were to change the... Say you have this setup, and instead of going about the situation by increasing the load, what would happen if you simply doubled the frequency of the line coming in? 
and kept the load the same. Does that mean you are quadrupling the power that you are delivering? Quadrupling the uh, current? Um, oh, making it harder for these uh, generators to, uh, or for these pair of meters to become a motor generator pairing. See, that's the other thing that William Lyne misses. Because of the lack of his uh, detail of uh, the magnetic coupling of them uh, being uh, arranged back-to-back, there are two cast-iron pieces uh, uh, immediately adjacent to each other, he misses the point that they're taking turns in, in which one is the motor and which one is the, the generator per half-cycle of the signal that's coming into the situation from the grid. But why would you have current coming out of the situation going back to the grid unless the inductive loads that he added that drew more current became the generator? They'd have to. They'd have to generate current and yet still rotate without yes whatever happens to you oh my god how can that be and what does it mean when an assistive torque gets sent back well The meters are sending out a voltage signal. Huh. You mean they normally don't? Well, no, because the voltage is supposed to be invisible. And now, all of a sudden, they're sending out a voltage signal that's strong enough to continue to act as a prime mover. I think that's ultimately what, what it boils down to is... Um, It's not just an increase of current. The meters must be putting out an a continuous, a, a gradually increasing uh, voltage signal to their signal that serves as the prime mover because that's what represents the prime mover in the system is voltage. And current is the drain upon that prime mover essentially and so how much uh, the prime how much current can the prime mover deliver is will be predicated upon the strength of its voltage ultimately i would assume um, the way to look at it Maybe not. Maybe that's not the way it works. Because the only thing you're increasing in the system is the current draw. I guess, I know it sounds bizarre, 
But I think the only way to look at this is to assume that it's when it hums, they're equally meshed because one is the current, one is the motor for the other, and the other is the generator for the for the one during each half cycle. But when it goes beyond that point, you, we, the only other way to uh, analyze this is to assume that the inductive loads that he added that supposedly would be drawing more current are functioning as generators at that point, even though they spin. And that would present the case that the system is, be, uh, the load is becoming its own prime mover, which doesn't make any sense. Tell me about it. Good God. Oh, God. But under authority to the meters. So the meters are authorizing the loads to become their own prime movers. See, that's essentially how you have to look at things. <clears throat> there has to be an authority. Usually it's a capacitor. <clears throat> um... um so then i have to assume that the 2 meters are serving as a temporary storehouse of voltage in order for them to become the authority to authorize the loads inside the home to become generators of current cuz that's usually the way it works when coils generate current there has to be an authority nearby um, and in this case, it's the two meters that are back-to-back -back mag magnetically coupling with each other. And yet they're in electrical reverse formation to each other. Um, that's interesting because now it changes the way I analyze what a generator is. A generator does not generate power. It's the prime mover behind it in combination with the generator that generates power. <clears throat> so the prime mover itself doesn't generate power, and we know that, right? <laughs> Falling water at the dam doesn't generate power. But the generator itself cannot generate power either. And so what happens is the generator represents the generator of current, while the falling water represents the voltage that drives it. And that combination creates the generation of power. That's really the way to analyze what's happening, let's say, at a hydroelectric power plant. In the case of a coal-fired plant, it's the heat represents the voltage. Um, because even though the water is accelerating as it falls, it's ultimately not transferring that acceleration to the blades of the turbine that spin the uh, generator. It's the pressure when they hit the blades, it, and that pressure is the voltage. See? It even translates. Look at that. Because <clears throat> we always think of voltage as pressure, right? <clears throat> In the case of heat, heat is pressure. I mean, well, it has... a. Uh, impact on pressure, let's put it that way, because pressure and temperature are, clo are closely linked. Um, are they indirectly or directly? They're directly uh, linked, so that when one goes up, the other goes up. So you've got this heat 
affecting the pressure, essentially, of the system. And that's right. It boils the water, and that increases the pressure. Yeah, in a coal-fired plant, that's they have to boil water with the coal, with the coal, with the coal, with the coal, the burning coal, right? And that increases the pressure because that's what's driving the system. So ultimately, it's always pressure. Yet, um, you could say heat is what put the water uh, in the uh, stream in the first place because it evaporated and moved around. Well, it, it, it ha- yeah, it gets resupplied, that's right. Well, but then it cools, so that doesn't really help. Um, may not cool, it doesn't have to cool. But it does have to heat in order to rise and from one place to be able to transport into the new place. Whatever. <laughs> that's. I think that's a little far, too far removed, too remote to be of any use. No, um... Forget about the heat. It's just pressure, basically. Ultimately, it's pressure that drives the turbine that spins the generator against its resistance, its magnetic resistance, to generate current. So it's really a two-part process. So the prime mover is not the whole story, and neither is the generator the whole story. There are two halves of the coinage of wattage. And once we have these two meters back-to-back taking turns, which one is the motor and which one is the generator per half cycle, we have now duplicated within those pair of meters exactly what's going on at the power plant. See? This is why he couldn't understand or couldn't explain it because you really have to thoroughly analyze the situation. And the crux of it all for me, the turning point, the aha moment is the fact that what if he put them back to back and they're wired in reverse relative to each other because they're in parallel, trying to satisfy the requirements of the, of the AC input and the load output. So they have to be wired back to back in reverse to each other, but they don't have to be hung together to sit against each other. And they certainly don't have to have a cast iron backing to help promote the transfer of the magnetism from each of their two um, toroidal cores. So this is why it has to be a cast iron backing to the meter and can't be aluminum. And on the I-10, it's um, there's enough. Well, it's it's all yeah, it's it's all cast iron on the backside. Yet it's aluminum on the front. And that means that anything generated internally is going, to be, is going to be reflected back into the back piece. You see? So the I-10, it was specifically designed to do what William Lyne was describing. But you have to have two of them and they have to be hung back to back against each other. Um... Of course, if you built it that way in the first place, as a single unit, you'd increase efficiency because the two back pieces would be one solid piece with a toroid on either side, and the magnetic transfer would be maximum. But the way it is, it's kind of um, iffy. 
you know. And so it, since it would be maximum, you'd have generation of power right away. You wouldn't have to wait for the load to increase, the, the inductive load to increase um, your draw of current. Um, I don't understand how a resistive load would draw more current, though. Because 100 years ago, all they had were light bulbs. Well, there you go. Even though these meters were built to accommodate a certain situation, the situation did not exist at the time, it, unless somebody had the foresight to realize that things are going to shift and people are going to start having motor loads. Oh, wait a minute. Industry always had motor loads because they had assembly line, conveyor belts. Ooh. So this is a one way for industry to cut their power bill and cut their cost for manufacturing. Whoa. So even though it was intended for the home, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it's intended for industrial use to cut their costs. Yeah, well, what kind of cost is a residence? It's nothing by comparison to what industry has to fork through the nose, you know, literally pay through the nose because it's using a humongous amount of energy. If it's an assembly line situation or whatever, anything of that sort where you've got motors running, that's, that's, now that makes sense because they, they didn't have compressors in refrigeration, I think, 100 years ago, 113 years ago, when the I-10 was, this particular I-10 was made, uh, mine. I think it was stamped 1910, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that makes, now that starts to make more sense. So I guess I've said enough, I've gropingly mapped out what the situation is. So, yeah, I, I think it's just so cool. <laughs> All this knowledge is so cool.